Welcome to The Coaching Call with Trav and Jasper. This is an unedited, unfiltered look at my personal journey back to sport. Over the next four months, I have some big goals in the gravel cycling world and I want to share that journey with you. For context, I've spent the last two and a half years building my business, Inner Voice and NTSQ Sports Group, supporting my wife Lauren in her own running goals and helping raise our two-year-old daughter, Adelina. As you'll hear, I've lost touch with myself and my own athletic goals. I've fallen victim to many excuses, not having enough time, I'm too busy to train, things like that. I want to shift my own mindset and hopefully help you shift your mindset of what is possible too. Today and every week, I'm joined by Jasper Blake, who is the founding head coach of B78 Coaching. He's also a legend of Canadian triathlon and one of the wisest people in the endurance sports world. The coaching call is designed to keep me accountable during my build-up, but more importantly, it's a chance to share knowledge and interact with you, the Inner Voice community. In the future, we'll take questions, delve further into the ups and downs that come with setting goals and the build-up to big challenges. You can follow along with my progress on Strava, and if you're interested in pursuing your own goals in endurance sports, Jasper is your guide. You can find Jasper's contact details in the show notes. The Coaching Call is a part of the Inner Voice audio experience. If you enjoy this episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe to our channel, and leave a five-star review wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. On today's episode, we cover quantifying your seemingly unquantifiable goals, data overload, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the week that was and the traffic light screen in my Training Peaks account, the importance and placement of testing, We also talk about the little things that make a difference, and I give a very unscientific description of the Hawthorne effect. We also answer questions from the audience and talk about why consistency and patience are at the crux of my build-up, and I'm guessing a lot of your journeys too. For now, enjoy the coaching call with Trav and Jasper. Well, here we are, week number two of the coaching call. Uh, We're looking back at... Last week, which will be very, very interesting. But before we do that, I really want to uh, say thanks again to Jasper Blake for joining me. Um, and for those who haven't heard the show, I'm Travis McKenzie. And as I mentioned, Jasper, the head coach of B78, is joining me. Jasper, how are you, mate? I'm great. I'm great. I, it's been a good week. We had uh, Easter weekend and kids were off school. And uh, so, yeah, nice nice little break and uh, back back in the groove this week. Awesome. Um, after last week, I had a lot of really great feedback. People loved the show. Uh, people were inspired. People were thankful that we answered some of the questions that we did that people uh, had been thinking of themselves or had been through so that hopefully we can continue to do that. Um, you mentioned you had the same experience. Some people had stopped you in the street and said, well done on the on the first episode. Yeah, I was I was quite surprised, to be honest. I, I I don't know why it wouldn't be. I mean, uh, you, you, you've got a good following, but yeah, just random kind of people a couple of times were like, Hey, I heard you on the, that coaching call and it was really good. And I, I think I mentioned to you, I, I think the reason for that is because some of the questions that we address and some of the topics we address uh, for anybody who's got a start line or some goals, you, you know, usually the same questions are in their mind and maybe they don't have, really have a, a place or a space to uh, have those questions answered. So, I mean, we're all kind of on on a similar path when we do that stuff. And uh, so I think it's nice for them to hear 
um, some of the things that they might be thinking about as well. So I think that's why it's it's uh, had a, a good reach so far. Awesome. Yeah, um, we talked about having seven listeners. I think we uh, we got more than seven, which is good. So hopefully we can continue that trend upwards. Um, <laughs> was it eight? It might have been, yeah. I'll have to go back and check the numbers, but I think it was eight. Um, what, and it, was, one, it, was eight, it, it was eight and four of them were my mom. <laughs> yeah, and the other three were mine and then me <laughs> and you. Um, the other, something you said in there was really interesting, and I think that um, sometimes we don't know the information we're looking for until we hear it, and, and I'll give you some context on that. So I often listen to podcasts or I listen to shows, and um, there's things in there that I didn't necessarily know that I was looking for, but it really resonated with me. So it was a piece of information or it was a um, something that someone shared. And I was like, oh, you, you know what? I've been through that or I have have been thinking about that but didn't really know it. And I think that's part of the experience as well is not necessarily knowing what you're looking for, but when it comes to you being able to kind of absorb it and, and take it on. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that. I, that's such a good way to put it. And uh, I get the same thing when I, I have a few podcasts that I listen to that I really like. And in in the same sort of vein, but slightly different, is that sometimes somebody in that podcast will say something that I'm like, oh, I've never really thought of that particular thing in that way, but I've definitely thought of that particular thing. Mm-hmm. Like they just maybe have a slightly different perspective on something that has sort of been itching my brain for a while. So uh, it's kind of a similar thing. And uh Yeah. Yeah, same same idea. I like that. Yeah, um, that's cool. And we did have some questions come in, which was really fun as well. Um, different forms. Modern technology is amazing. I had people email. I had people uh, DM on Instagram. I had someone leave a voicemail, which we'll hear later. So it was uh, it was kind of cool. And cool. we'll go through some of those uh, as we go through the show. But actually, the first. Why don't we start with um, the first one? So. Um, Someone had, well, two things. So I did a little bit of research last week and uh, I wanted to know why the accountability thing is such a a big um, thing for people and, you know, being able to share your goals or knowing that someone is watching. So one thing I found was the Hawthorne effect, which is the phenomenon of changing our behavior because we know we're being watched. Um, What do you think about that? Yeah. Well, that's, that's definitely, I mean, yeah. That I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Now, I haven't heard of that specifically, um, but it absolutely makes sense. And I think we all do it, yeah. whether we're conscious of it or not. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's very interesting. So that's obviously a, a research study thing. It is. It is. And it's uh, <laughs> the research I did was it was a little bit, um, maybe it wasn't fully double blind tested and uh fully accepted in the scientific community but it's definitely a known phenomenon that uh that people talk about being the hawthorne effect so um i thought that was a little bit interesting and which leads me to the first question which came from uh a friend of ours and a former b78 athlete nick tickner um who Ah, who mentioned or his question was what are we keeping you accountable to and i don't know if nick listened to the first episode but i wanted to make it pretty clear on what we are keeping me accountable to. Um, and my major goal this year is the SBT gravel cycling event in Steamboat Springs. So as you know, and as we mentioned, it was 141 miles. Uh, it's 10,000 feet of elevation over the day. And it's also at between seven and 10,000 feet of altitude. So that's my main goal for the year. And then one question I had for you, Jasper, 
is around quantifying those goals. And for that event, you know, it's really hard to quantify a time goal. It's a first year event. I'm not, have no idea how fast it's going to be or how long it's going to take me. I have no idea who's showing up. So quantifying a result will be difficult. So with that in mind, not being able to really quantify a goal, what would be your recommendation um, to me on how I can talk about that goal in particular? Well, I think a, a good way to quantify it is if you're alive at the end, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. <with you. laughs> um, no, that's a really good question. I I actually don't know how much I've addressed that question, so this will be a an interesting answer. Um, you're correct in the idea that something like that event is very hard to quantify because, as you said, it's a first-year event, so there's no real times to compare it to. Uh, there's, there's so much extreme stuff going on in that. It, the distance itself is quite extreme when you consider it's all gravel. So 141 miles, that's like, I mean, that's further than an Ironman bike ride. Uh, it's at altitude and, and not an easy altitude. I mean, some of the, the pieces are up around 10,000 feet. Uh, and then also got nine or 10,000 feet of climbing. So, uh, there isn't really a great way to quantify time-wise unless you've done it the previous year and then you would have a little bit of a measure. Mm-hmm. Um, so something like that, I mean, finishing something like that, I, I, I have no doubt that you will do that. So there's a small way to quantify it. I mean, I think just getting from the start to the finish mm-hmm. of an event that's that hard will be an accomplishment and you should probably, you know, put some sort of value in, in the fact that just getting through something like that is, is quite awesome. Um, but I, I think, you know, I think it's important to not necessarily focus on those outcome things. So, you know, if in the back of your mind, you have a placing that you want to be, as we said, times are kind of tricky with something like that. I would just sort of let all that go. And I think the goal the goal really should be a process one. And that's just that at the end of that thing, did I put it all out there and did I, did I leave like nothing out there? Did I give my very best effort on the day? And, and that's, it, it can kind of seem a little cliche mm-hmm. to put it that way. Um, but really for an event like that, that's like, you know, what else can you ask of yourself? You know, yep. you don't want to get to the end of it and go, oh, that was easy, which I have no doubt. <laughs> I don't think that'll be the case. <laughs> um, even if you wrote it quite easily, it yeah. probably wouldn't be easy. Um, so, you know, harder, I, I don't know if I'm answering your question. In fact, I entirely forget the question you asked me out of the gate. <laughs> no, I think you really <laughs> but, did answer it. And I think you were spot on with the way that I was thinking about it. And what you said about the process goal was probably the way that I've approached it in my mind and the way that I would answer that question if someone did ask me that. Um, and part of it would be knowing that I got to the start line uh, in the best possible shape that I could and that I, you know, le- left no stone unturned getting there. And then um, as a result of the day, knowing that I gave my best effort, but I also think for me is um, important to know that I rode smartly. So I wasn't caught up in, oh, I have to stay with the front pack and try and, you know, finish in the top 10 or the top 50 or what have you. It's about how can I best use my energy over that day? Because I, my guess is it's going to be a 10 plus hour day. So 
you know, longer mm-hmm. than longer than you know m- most of my Ironman races. So how do you um, use your energy wisely and pace that event, knowing that you're out there for quite a long time and and the the elements are quite extreme, as you mentioned. Yeah, and actually, you touched on something that I didn't even think of, which is such a great comment, and that's that are you like the the other uh, great way to sort of consider success is if you arrive at the start line mm-hmm. healthy. Um, and, and with a plan and feeling good about how you're going to execute the thing. So, and that can be challenging for really long events where in the build up and the training to it, you know, you're going to push yourself, you know, and maybe go to places on a bike that maybe you haven't been before, um, in order to prepare for that one day. So, uh, if we can get you to that start line where you're in a, in a state of peace, where you feel like you know, nerves are okay, a little bit of nervousness, but that you actually feel like really ready for this thing and that you have a plan and that you're not kind of doubting whether you can do it. You know, if we can get you there thinking, uh, I'm really ready for this. I have a plan. I know what to do with my nutrition and now let's just go have the best day I can. I think that is also uh, a great goal to have, um, even before you start. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, I think we've answered that one, Nick. Um, it's about the process and it's about getting there, um, feeling refreshed and ready to take on what the day brings. Um, the next thing that I have thought of is, and it's it's a constant question that we hear in endurance sports, it's around your why. So finding out your why. So when the day gets difficult and you're, you know, you're 100 miles into that event, why do you want to keep going? Um, I'm not going to answer that right now, but I'm going to actually turn it back on you and ask you, your why for what you do with B78. Yeah, so this is uh, this is outside the context of my own racing, like as a coach. As a coach. And as a, yeah. With the business. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it's a whole bunch of different things. Um, I wouldn't say it's as laser-focused as, as it was when I was an athlete. Like, I have a few different whys. Um, you know, the, the there is the there's a big part that's just that I, I love the puzzle of figuring things out for people. So, um, I spent a lot of time in this sport and, and various different sports, and I was always intrigued by why we were doing things. So, uh, there's an element of, uh, figuring out that puzzle for each individual. So, um, for you, it's different than it is for somebody who's doing something else. It's different for someone I coach who's, uh, 70 years old and they're just getting into the sport. Like there's, there's a whole bunch of different puzzles. And when I sit down and map it out, um, I feel like I'm just building a puzzle and piecing it together and trying using my platform of knowledge and my experience. I'm trying to find the best way to make this work for you. Um, so that's one of my whys, like a, from a, purely kind of work standpoint i enjoy the work part of it like i i enjoy figuring it out um you know the other wise with the business are less uh maybe uh less romantic and that i'm literally just trying to make a living and support my family that's a good one you know yeah like at the risk of sounding a bit crass i mean that's a big part of it like i i'm like i want to create a successful business and 
Um, and, you know, because I have family reasons for that. Um, but along with that goes a, a high degree of motivation then to make the business really successful and to make it uh, resonate and work for people and to actually create, you know, a product, if you want to call that. Uh, again, the risk of sounding crass, but it's a product. And so like, is our product good? Is it competitive? What are we doing to make it better? Um, <clears throat> so I'm intrigued by uh, that side of uh, the equation as well. Um, and then maybe there's a third one. And that's that I feel like I spent you know, basically my entire life in sport. So I was a skier, I played tennis. I was, I was always in some kind of, uh, high performance sport model where it was really the focus. Uh, even when I went to university, uh, I would structure all my class load around the training. Um, so I, you know, training was always first for me and my class load was pretty light. And if any, if any course in university, uh, conflicted with, you know, the run practice or swim practice, I dropped it without hesitation. Um, so that's the long way of saying that I, I've spent sort of a lifetime where this is my focus. And so uh, I really love sharing what I've learned uh, with anybody who's interested in hearing about it. Um, I've enjoyed these calls because it, in a way it kind of uh, forces me to reconnect with what I'm actually believing and thinking. Yeah. Um, and I, I like that. So I, I like that, you know, the, the lifetime I basically spent in sport has, has provided me with a certain amount of expertise. And so that it's nice to share that with people. Um, so I would say there's, those are probably the three things if I had to really nail it down. Yeah. I think they're super, super great whys and reasons for what you're doing. And, um, I, I haven't talked to you about this, but I wanted to give you a big round of applause and, and kudos on the second one, creating a product and creating, um, an experience for your athletes that goes above and beyond. And, and I'll give you some context on why I'm saying that right now. I, in the mail this morning, received my welcome pack, which included a uh, water bottle, hat, socks, some, um, product samples, things like that, which was awesome. I, I'm totally unexpected. Um, uh, it was a little handwritten note, which was really, really cool. Um, so obviously not necessary, but one of those little touches that makes what you do being in the people business and taking care of people's goals really important. And then I also, uh, at the same time received a postcard that you'd handwritten to my wife, Lauren, for her effort at the Boston Marathon. So little touches like that, I think are amazing. And I wanted to thank you for doing that, which, um, you know, you don't have to do that, but I, I really appreciate it. Ah, oh, my pleasure. And I'm actually surprised I got there that quickly. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, it, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, and it's kind of great that it, it timed out well with this call. But those are the little things that I love thinking up. And they're not all my idea. Like I sort of get we get input from our team. And um, but when we're putting those little things together, I'm just so excited. And because I, I do think it is the little things like that. The postcard idea was actually one of my best buddies who owns a, a very successful business in town. And he kind of dropped that idea on me like six or seven years ago. And, uh, because who like handwritten mail, like, yeah. it, like nobody gets that anymore. And one of my favorite things every week is that we run through our entire athlete list and we're like, okay, who, who raced, who did something. And, uh, you know, and then I write postcards and, and in the summer when it gets really busy, sometimes there's a stack of 20. Yeah, And I'm just stoked. I love writing it because it, it kind of, I don't coach everybody in our company. We have a team of six people and 
Um, but it keeps me in touch with, you know, the other coaches athletes. And I'm like, Oh, right on. Like so-and-so, I uh, did this kind of weird marathon through the bushes last weekend <laughs> in wherever, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I really love that. And so thank you for uh, uh, mentioning that. And, and I'm glad that it had a, uh, at least a little impression it and I'm glad you got your, your, your I'm glad you got your swag. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> Everyone loves a good bit of swag. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I think even more so now, um, the impact that it can have with those thoughtful things, you know, the world of social media where it's it's quick wins, it's quick congratulations and kind of move on to the next thing. Um, it's easy to double tap a, someone's photo on Instagram and, and feel like that's congratulation enough, but the thought and effort was, was kind. So, yeah, um, look forward to uh, getting my postcard uh, in a in a yeah, well, whenever. You, you have a lot. You have a lot of races on the schedule. So you, you just have a, a lot of just get a stamp. Just well done, Travis, or go faster, Travis, and just stamp it. Well, uh, that's right. We'll have the well done, Travis stamp. Yeah, yeah love it. Um, let's uh, let's have a look at uh, last week, shall we? I um, it, it's Murphy's Law. We were talking uh, towards the end of the call about getting lots of greens in training peaks, um, you know, consistency. And I missed one workout in the first two weeks. Uh, and then I went out and did the run after the call. And I actually felt unusually kind of tired and a bit sore after that run. Um, ended up taking the the afternoon strength session off. Uh, it was my daughter's birthday, but I also felt a little bit under the weather. And then uh, I woke up on Wednesday morning and was achy and well sick effectively and spent uh basically two days in bed last week so training peaks last week looks like a traffic light there was uh a lot of red (laughs) (laughs) some orange and some green in there um talk to me about a what's that's what that's like for a coach so you know an athlete's sick uh, you met, you sent me a text about, you know, the general rules of, you know, how you're feeling and what you're going through and, and whether or not you can work out, which if you want to share those, that's fine. But, um, yeah, tell me what that's like on your side as a coach. And I can tell you what it was like on my side as an athlete, but, um, why don't you go first? Yeah, it's a great question. And the, the beauty and reality of being a human is that this happens to everybody. So, um, from the coach's perspective, uh, it's to be expected at, at least at some point in the year, there's going to be little speed bumps. Um, you know, it's rarely if, if ever perfect, uh, you know, and you rarely, if ever check every single box, uh, in, in the journey. So, uh, and sickness is just something that's super hard to avoid, especially for someone like you who's got a, a young kid. And I know, you know, uh, she was sick as well you know, for 10 days, you're telling me that I had a fever. Um, so as a parent, I mean, how do you avoid that? You, you, you almost can't. I mean, that sort of germ line or whatever is going to be uh, present in your house. And no matter how diligent you are, uh, it's hard to avoid. So um, from a coach's perspective, you know, I just have to sort of take that information and and then again, going back to that idea of, of the puzzle, I have to sort of rearrange the puzzle a little bit. And I have a couple of rules uh, that I like to follow. One is that if, if an athlete has a fever, it's like do nothing. So if, if your body's in a feverish state, uh, it's, it's hot, it's heating up, 
uh, it does that for a reason. It does that to uh, kill whatever's in your system. Um, and that's a good thing. Like that's a, an adaptive thing that we have that is quite extraordinary that our body will actually heat up to take care of whatever's happening. But, oh my gosh, does it ever feel horrible when you have a fever? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's awful. And so I usually encourage people and it's, it's not hard to get them to do this because when you have a fever, you feel just horrible. I had one, I had about a week earlier this year where I was flat out. I mean, on the couch, like fever of about 102 and I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is a great reminder for me. You just literally feel like doing nothing. Yeah. Um, and you probably should. And so that's rule number one, fever, do nothing. Uh, if you don't have a fever and maybe you have a cold, you're, you got, you're stuffed up a little bit, whatever. I do uh, encourage or, or even say like it's, it's okay to move, but let's just take the intensity out. Um, so don't go try and do that really hard bike workout or the track workout if you're sick. Um, but if moving, like maybe going for a walk or a, a light run or an easy swim or something, if, if that makes you feel better mentally and physically, then there's, I don't really see a problem with that. Um, we just take intensity out because intensity is a form of stress mm -hmm. and your body is already under enough stress. It needs to deal with whatever it's got. Um, so those are my kind of simple little rules that I like to tell people. And then, you know, you kind of just got to let it wait its course. It go run its course. Yeah. Um, there's lots of things we can do to maybe speed it up a little bit, but ultimately your body's going to take care of it in the time that it takes care of it. Um, so from a coach's perspective, I, I just have to be a little more diligent that week. And, um, you know, we adjust a, a few little things and usually it just means that, you know, a few days off and then we get back on track. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, uh, that was effectively what happened. It was two and a half kind of full days of, of nothing. Um, and as you say, my experience was I couldn't even imagine, um, getting out and doing anything on those two days. I was pretty much in bed with my daughter, Adelina, and we were both slept almost all day, uh, Wednesday and Thursday of last week. And then Friday came around and, I uh, I felt a little bit better, and um, you know your your offer to me was an easy kind of bike ride and an easy swim, um, optional just based on how I felt, and and did those and kind of started to feel like I was on the other side of it by uh, by the weekend, which was great. Um, one thing that I really found interesting, and you know we're in this world of data, 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 or data, data, data. Um, for those who didn't understand my first <laughs> sentence there. Um, uh, and it, it feels like it's more more data than when I was racing Ironman, so two and a half years ago. It just feels like there's this overload. And, and I have been wearing um, this product called Whoop uh, for a few months now, and it it's an amazing product, and it actually kind of tracks your sleep and it tracks your heart rate variability and your resting heart rate and all of these, um, your breathing rate and all of these metrics. And I actually woke up on Wednesday morning and um, my whoop had suggested that my recovery was super low. So in the 20% out of the hundreds. Um, and it, it showed that my heart rate variability over the Tuesday night was, was really, really low indicating um, something was going on. So, what I found interesting is that Whoop was able to tell me that I was sick before I even really realized it or knew that I wasn't feeling well. Um, what, what's your kind of thoughts on on that type of stuff and obviously the, the data um, 
overload that that sometimes comes with that type of technology? Ah, it's such a great question, Trav. Uh, I'm, I, I'm mixed on data. I, I do think there's just way too much of it now. And we, in a way we lose touch with how we're actually feeling. Um, that said, I do think it has its place and it, it has a very strong place. So if we, if we take something, for example, like measuring power on the bike, um, you don't have to go back too far to a time where we didn't have it, or it was just so cost prohibitive or it didn't exist for your actual road bike outside. Um, but as power started to become more affordable and different systems allowed us to put it on pedals and the crank arms and, and make it really accessible for everybody, uh, utilizing power as a, as a measure and to collect that data has been so valuable because ultimately power is the purest form of measuring effort on a bike. Um, so I think little innovations like that have been very, very useful. Um, and we, we should continue to use them because they, it, it tells us a lot. Like we, you can look at a power file and, and cross-reference it with a heart rate file, and you can pull a lot of information out of that that's really useful, uh, not just for analyzing that workout, but also for planning ahead and knowing what that person's actually doing uh, in their workout. Um, now, so that's one example of, of data collection that I, I really love. Uh, what I don't love is when we start to collect data on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people send me data files from a swim workout. I'm like, just read the pace <laughs> clock. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of, I'm a bit old school now. I, you know, somebody who maybe analyzes that data, you know, uh, more thoroughly might say, actually, the swim data is great, but I'm, I'm more, I have a purist in that sense. I'm like, you know what? if you're in the pool, like be a swimmer, learn to, learn to use the pace clock. And if you do 20 times a hundred on one thirty or whatever a set might be appropriate for you. Um, I don't need to know like that. Every interval was like one fourteen point nine, one fourteen point two. You can just tell me I was holding between like one thirteen and one fifteen, yeah. And that gives me a pretty good idea. Um, so, you know, I think sometimes it goes too far and I think sometimes, athletes get way too hung up on the amount of data and and just like the experience you had on our last call where uh the data you were collecting indicated that you had 19 green boxes and one red one and you you couldn't stop focusing on the fact that you had one you know one red box so one bit of data that wasn't quite perfect you know Mm -hmm. um and so I'm sort of mixed on it. Uh, again, on the one hand, I think it's very valuable. On the other hand, I think we we do it too much. Um, the sleep one's interesting, and you mentioned that. I, I can see all these uh, little boxes and training peaks for you that indicate sleep hours, and I'm assuming that's the loop thing that you're using. Yeah. Um, and so I do find that quite fascinating that you are able to use another form of data collection to not just analyze your sleep, but it, it's taking heart rate variability, which is a useful tool. And it's kind of spitting out this thing that, hey, I, you're, I think you're under-recovered or you're getting sick. And it, it knew that before you did. So I actually find that form of data collection might be pretty useful because I think as a whole, we are uh, chronically under-recovered these days. A big part of that is devices and um, you know, we kind of, as adults, we don't adhere to the natural sleep rhythms that we probably should. 
uh, your, your kid will, you know, if yeah. she's tired, she'll sleep. And she probably, uh, has big blocks of just really hardcore sleep. And as adults, we, we try and fit ourselves into tight little boxes because now we have work schedules. Um, and so we set alarms and we, we maybe get up when we feel like we could use more sleep. And instead of getting more sleep, we, you know, we drink caffeine, we eat more sugar, we do lots of things that are counterproductive. So, uh, you know, maybe a, a tool like the one you're using uh, might actually be quite useful. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I'd love to learn more about that particular yeah. tool. Um, yeah, I found it really so valuable. I, yeah. yeah, sorry. You go. You keep going. I, I was just... I, yeah, I was just going to say, I'll, I, uh, that's the longest answer of telling you that I'm, I'm mixed on data. I think there's tons of value there, uh, but also we have a tendency to sort of overutilize it. Another yeah. would be like, for example, on recovery runs, for example, or recovery bike rides. I have athletes sometimes who just become obsessed with pace or speed, and they want all those numbers to always look really good. Mm-hmm. Um and sometimes on a recovery run, I, I I just don't care what the pace is. Like, I want you to just go run super easy, but be technically mindful. So I, I don't want you getting hung up on the fact that maybe it was seven minutes per K, you know? Yeah. If it was, great. Great. Like, <laughs> yeah. who cares? You know, like, uh, so... Anyway, I'll shut up. You go. <laughs> no, uh, I, I was going to, well, two things. So I appreciate the recovery rides and runs, you know, indicate a heart rate in, in the program because it's so easy to get caught up in, you know, I need to be riding at 30 k's an hour. I need to be running at a certain pace, whereas, you know, your heart rate really doesn't lie. It doesn't, t- you know, it, it shows your output and your effort. So if you're keeping it under a certain number, you know that it's going to be super easy and you don't even worry about the the pace um so i i appreciate that you know the guidance that gives me um and you know i'm a long way from giving up or i've I've given up the i need to be at a certain pace uh a long time ago which i think is helpful um and then the other point i wanted to make was around the whoop and the sleep and um it for me keeping me accountable to the sleep that i need to to be getting based on the output or the strain that registers on the device over the day has been amazing like you know i will choose sleep over a little bit extra work or staying up and watching tv or or you know and it even changes as much as like if you drink a beer two hours before you go to bed there will be a noticeable difference in um rem sleep or your heart rate variability and if you drink caffeine four hours before you go to so it actually is like a pretty cool tool to keep me accountable to the things that i you know, in the back of your mind, you know, you should be doing, but you know, without the Hawthorne effect or the accountability, uh, sometimes you, you don't necessarily do what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is yeah, accountability there. I think that is one thing that, uh, uh, data and all these measuring things do create for people is a level of accountability, yeah. um, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, anyway, carry on. As an athlete, I think if you, if you can learn to understand the outputs that the data is giving you, I think that's valuable. Rather than just blindly following <laughs> something and not really knowing or understanding, I think that's where people get lost is a sl- being a slave to the clock but not understanding why or how. Um, their right. body works yeah. or what they're doing or why they're doing something. So that's something to think about, um, you know, for everyone out there. Data and, and that stuff can be valuable, but there still needs to be an understanding of why you're doing something and also a connection to 
uh, how your body feels. So, mm-hmm. you know, rate of perceived exertion is also important and understanding that, you know, all of a sudden you're not going to wake up and be able to ride 100 watts faster than you were yesterday. So, like, things like that I think are important for people to realize as well. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it sounds like a really uh, useful tool and I, I'm going to go take a look after our call. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> um, which brings me to the next uh part, which is a question from James Capral, who you know very well and I know very well. Um, and I'm going to – it's a voicemail that James left. So, I'm going to uh, try and see if we can work out technology here and I'm going to play it to you uh, and then hey. and then have you answer the question. So, here we go. Hey, Jasper. Hey, Trav. It's uh, James. Uh, my question is regarding testing um, and just how important you guys think it is to establish those baselines um, to get a rough like testing performance um, periodically throughout the year. Um, should you guys be doing that seasonally, monthly? Um, how important is it and how often do you think that you guys should be doing kind of those baseline tests? Um, thanks. Uh, love the show and um, can't wait to hear next week's episode. Bye. There we go. This question from James. That's cool. Uh, you did very well there, Trav. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, testing. It's a great question. Um, I've always liked testing, but not in extremes. Um, I think the very nature of testing, especially if you go to the lab and they're shoving something in your mouth and plugging your nose and, um, you can get very useful information from that, but I don't think it's great to do it a lot because it's just kind of stressful and it can be expensive. And, um, but I do think some baseline tests are great. Um, they kind of, they set a little sort of, uh, you know, they give us a really clear idea of where you're at and that can really help guide the training. So, uh, I used power as an example before, um, a lot of the testing that we'll do is on a bike so that we can establish power numbers. Um, so I, you know, my opinion, the most valuable test you can do is actually to go to a lab and where they collect oxygen because we can establish the the two primary ventilatory thresholds. Um, And that really helps guide the way for longer distance events. Um, You know, we we get a lot of really good information from there. And usually they, you know, you'll get power readings as well as heart rate readings. And so there's, there's tons of stuff that we can use there. And now um, I think a good coach will then take that information, which can seem quite overwhelming and quite complex and really simplify it. And say, okay, how are we going to use this um, uh, in its simplest form without, you know, being too crazy? Um, so, yes, fan of testing, but not like I don't think you need to do testing every single month. Um, I think as you roll into a, a race season, I think the races ultimately become your test. Yeah. Uh, but certainly, kind of at the be- beginning of a season when we want to know where you're at, um, and then maybe you know, one other time if, if you have the space for it. So, uh, an example might be if I was getting somebody ready for Ironman, maybe we would, we would run a test early on to get the values that we need. Um, and then maybe, maybe some kind of test, uh, in that 12 to 16 window outside of Ironman, just so that we can see what those, where those numbers are at. Um, Typically, in my experience, uh, you know, your your heart rate values at certain thresholds stay pretty constant. Uh, it's the it's the wattage or the pace that you're running or the speed that you're swimming that that change based on fitness. Yeah. So, for example, if you come 
you're starting the season and you're out of shape, you know, your heart rates at certain thresholds will be kind of the same, but maybe the wattage you're pushing is quite a bit lower than it will be in 12 to 16 weeks. Um, so I don't think it's advisable to test tons. I just don't think you need to. It, it's stressful and kind of redundant, um, but it is good to have some some baselines for sure. Yeah. Now, I mentioned the lab. That can be very cost prohibitive for people. So, you know, simple uh, FTP or functional threshold power tests uh, on the bike are really good. You can do them at home on a smart trainer. Uh, lots of those uh, online platforms have the protocols that you just follow and they'll spit out the numbers, numbers for you. I think, you know, Training Peaks and other platforms will, uh, based on your workouts, they'll pull out a functional threshold power number for you. Um, but then other simple little tests, like in the pool, you know, you can do, you know, somewhat regular 400 time trials just to get a, a look at where you're at. Um, or, you know, test sets on a track uh, running. Um, there's little things that you can do that will, will sort of give you little baselines without it being this big thing about going to the lab. So. Yeah. And I, I liked what you said about the races being your testing, really. Um, and that's a, a big thing that people forget a lot of times that, you know, they'll be more concerned with the day-to-day or the week-to-week um, work than what they're actually signed up for and what they're actually shooting for being an event or a race. And that's really the, that's the real test um, for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then something else you said was really interesting. And I think to break it down even further, really the whole crux of training is at the same effort, you will get faster over time effectively. So, mm-hmm. you know, your heart rate output at a certain pace should be, you know, should uh, at that heart rate level, you should get faster over time um, is really effectively what mm-hmm. training is doing for you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and the the other thing I'll just mention about testing is I think it can help or hurt you mentally. So I think people used to get hung up on sort of their VO2 max numbers or whatever was being measured. And I just never want with people for those numbers to limit what you think you can do in a race because ultimately in a race, you want to go to places that maybe you haven't been before and you you don't want to be held back by the idea that, Oh, my numbers and testing were this, you know? Yeah. Um, they, they need to, you need to be able to use the numbers. You don't want the numbers to use you. Mm, well and done. Yeah. I think that, I think that can be a trap for people is if they get hung up on what they think they should be. Um, you know, I've, I've raced against athletes whose numbers weren't all that impressive and then they would show up at races and they would just, they could perform. Yeah. And you know, they, uh, they, they almost didn't like being tested because they didn't want anything in the back of their head saying that they couldn't do something. Yeah. And so I think we can get hung up a little bit too much on it, but it is still valuable as a, as a tool, uh, to kind of guide the training. Yeah. I love that. I think, um, we'll leave it there, but I think that is important to know that, you know, there is that competitive instinct as well that needs to come out. And it doesn't mean in a race like Ironman or a race like SBT gravel becoming over ambitious and going harder or faster than you need to go. But there's times where, you know, you may have to forget what your limits are at a certain point in the race and just give it and just go for it. Um, so yeah, so that mm-hmm. that we'll we'll leave it there, I think. But um one other question we had um 
was, and this goes back to kind of last week where, you know, I, there was a bit of a stop and start or there was a, a an interruption and it was only a couple of days for me. But the question comes from Karen and her question is around uh, goal setting and having to restart and start and restart and start again. Um, and what, at what point do you need to readjust your goals over time given injury, illness, um, setbacks? That's a really good question. I, I don't think it lends itself to an exact answer, unfortunately. Um, I think every situation is different. So let's take you, for example, in the last month. Uh, you had two really solid weeks, and then last week, uh, you know, you stumbled a little bit just getting sick. Um, you missed a couple days, but then you're kind of back on track at the end of the week. So if we look at that example, does Trav need to reevaluate his goals? Well, Obviously not. You know, you missed 48, 72 hours of training. Um, will that affect the big picture? No, not really. Um, you know, your body needed the rest, so we, we leave it at that. Now, if, if you know, uh, on our next call, you've missed a whole other week, and then our next call, you've got like two workouts done. And our, you know, it, the point is if, if you're super choppy and super inconsistent for like weeks on end, well then, yeah, maybe we, we have to start looking at it. I, I think it, it really depends. Consistency is the biggest thing. So, and again, consistency doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means you consistently kind of make it week, week through week. And if the odd workout doesn't happen here and there, but if we look at the big picture, most of it is good, then you're good. Uh, but if it's been really tough, like you're super inconsistent, um, then yeah, you might need to reevaluate. Um, and sometimes reevaluating, uh, you know, it can, it, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to like pull the pin on everything you have planned that season. It might just mean you have to just shift your expectation a bit. You know, mm -hmm. if you, if you've got a 10 K race coming up in August and, and let's say in the, in the build into that, you, you've, you've identified a very clear time goal of running under 40 minutes. Um, and let's say that you, uh, you know, the, the eight week lead into that is just super choppy. Like you don't get any of the key workouts in, you don't get any of the stuff we needed to get in. Um, then you might, you can still go run it, but you might just need to, you know, let go of the expectation that you're going to run sub 40. And if you do, then it's a bonus. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I'm answering, uh, this question exactly but i think every case is different you yeah. just have to you have to be able to step back and take a look at, at what this person's actually done you know over the the longer term and and then make a call yeah and i think the the final point on that that i i would make is around patience so you know knowing karen's situation where she's had many injuries and you know i've come back from many injuries over my time as well it's it's being patient and knowing that um you you will take time to get back to where you were before. And there's no point in the meantime comparing to where you used to be. That's the worst thing you can do. And, you know, you do a workout and you're two minutes per kilometer slower than you were when you're at your fittest peak um, five years ago. There's no point in doing that to yourself. Um, it's mm -hmm. living living in the moment, living in the, in you know, workout to workout and being patient, knowing that if you are consistent, as you said, then over time it will come. Exactly. And, uh, I love what you just said there. Uh, so much of, of what we, 
need to learn in life is just the idea of being present and being sort of surrendering to wherever we're at in that moment. And that's a very difficult thing for humans to do uh, because we're so driven and we're so, we're so goal oriented that we always are kind of striving for something. Um, But ultimately in order to really have success at something, you have to be able to surrender to where you're at in that moment and actually be like peaceful and sort of happy with where you're at, you know, like be like today you have a swim and you have a, a ride with some 30 seconders um, that are pretty hard. And you have to go into that being like, yeah, I'm stoked to be here. Mm-hmm. I'm stoked to be doing this workout, you know? Yeah. And if it, if it's, if it's tough, I'm stoked that it's tough. Yeah. You know, it, th- these are uh, kind of bigger picture things that I think sport really can teach us if we're open to being taught yeah. those things. I love that. I love that. Um, Looking forward to the rest of the week. So um, we have a build in running. Last week we talked about, uh, you know, shorter run efforts. Um, I did one of the runs last week, missed the other, but, uh, you know, did a run yesterday where it was a 20-minute piece and a 10-minute piece in there. And then tomorrow we have a 30-minute piece uh, in the run there. So I'm excited about that. Any uh, thoughts or uh, feedback for me to uh, think about before I go into that one tomorrow? No, I mean, I think it's uh, great, you know, just looking at the Tuesday run, it's basically this, the same amount of run time. Uh, Tuesday was split into a 20 and a 10. So this this will be your first sort of like continuous 30 minute run. And the comments you left on Tuesday were that it was, it was all good. And, uh, and so that's great. So I think you can have a, you know, a certain amount of excitement that, you know, you're on the right track. And uh, um yeah, and then you know this week we structured a little bit differently because you have the uh, Rasputista. Yep. Did I get that right? Gravel fifty miler. Yeah. Um, so the week looks a little bit different because you've got a big stressor coming on Saturday. Um, and uh, but in terms of the running, yeah, you're on track and you're going to do thirty minutes continuous tomorrow, which sounds ridiculously light, but again, given given where you are at with running, uh, that's good. Yep. We're on the right track. Yeah, great. Um, and we, uh, I th- sent you a text before, but Lauren, my wife, has signed us up for the New York Marathon in November. So uh, that's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's, a, that's an addition to uh, think about post-August. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's something else will be on the docket for later in the year. And that, that's a classic endurance sports athlete maneuver lauren after the boston marathon said yep that's it no more marathons for me i'm all done and then within two weeks or like 10 days we are now uh we're already we're already signed up for another one i feel like there should be another study you can pull up like the accountability one that identifies what that bit is about in the human psyche because you're so right like i i did a lot of races where i was like never again never again and then you come across the you come across the finish line and a day later you find out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, back in the day when Ironman used to be, you know, people would race and then they would wait in line the next day to sign up for the following year and they would sell out on site. That was, um, you know, before the internet and before uh, that type of stuff. So that was that was always fun to see people, you know, standing in line for hours on their feet after they'd raced the day before. Yes, yes. I know there's just, there's something about getting across that line that gives you such a such a big high that you you, you just crave another one. Yeah, um, and then so you did mention Rasputisa, that's a gravel race that's happening in uh, in Vermont, so up at Burke Mountain, Vermont. Um, a lot of 
incredible athletes there. It's a super tough course. I think they, uh, it, they released the course on Monday, uh, 44 miles, I think 4,700 feet of climbing over 44 miles, uh, a section of a good section of snow called Siberia, um, a lot of mud, uh, a lot of uh, climbing actually, like sustained climbing, a lot of short, uh, sharp climbing. So I'm excited to test, test myself a little bit, put it out on the line. Any advice for me going into that race? Well, I I think um, you know, like a lot of these gravel events that you're doing, uh, you shouldn't get hung up or focus on an outcome because times are sort of irrelevant when you don't really know what's coming at you. And as you mentioned, there's lots of different factors in this one with snow and mud and lots of vertical. Um, I think you, you you come back to the process part, which is ultimately just to have your best effort out there and, and leave nothing out there. Um, and, and to get experience racing. Um, it's always good to keep the bigger picture in mind. So the big, you know, the big one for you is, is ages away. Uh, but every little event like this along the way is, is part of the preparation for that. So what happens on Saturday is ultimately going to make you tougher, stronger, smarter, uh, fitter, uh, for what's coming at you in August. So yeah. that's really the main objective with, with Saturday. Yeah. Love it. Um, and then in the, in the email, the weekly email with, uh, with what's to come, you said, uh, go and do a four hour ride on Sunday. Don't ask questions, just do it. So once again, putting the foot down and, uh, and me just trusting that that's, uh, that's a part of the plan. And I'm going to go out and, uh, enjoy that, uh, in that time on Sunday after the race as well. Yeah. For sure. And do you want to know why I put that in there? Yeah, love to. <laughs> I, I look. I, I you have a recovery week coming up, so the the week of the 29th through May 5th is going to be much lighter. And we have an opportunity on the weekend here to throw a pretty significant uh, aerobic stress load at you. And you know the race Saturday is going to be tough, and then Sunday doesn't have to be crazy vertical. It's just a ride. Yeah. Uh, but it coupling those two days back to back. Uh, I think there's tons of value in that. Uh, and especially knowing that the week after that, you're going to get lots of space to recover. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted this to be a great opportunity for you to just have a big weekend, uh, lots of time in the saddle. Um, and it's a, it's a big endurance stress load and it'll ultimately benefit you. Uh, I think more than if you just did the one hit on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, it was good. No. And I think, um, for some additional context, not only do I have the Steamboat Springs race in August, there's also the Oregon uh, Oregon Trail Gravel Grinder coming up in the middle of June as well, which is actually a five-day gravel stage race. So multiple days back-to-back um, mm-hmm. with that level of stress will be important as well, which is something we've identified uh, for me to be able to to take on. And, you know, a lot of the to- lot of times – you know, I'll be, I'll be riding three or four days in a row <clears throat> so far. And then, you know, I'm sure that will continue going forward as well to get me ready for those multiple days of effort. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's an, another, another, uh, great reason for it. So awesome. Um, Jasper, this has been a lot of fun. I think we answered some pretty good questions for myself and for some of the listeners, which is great. So if anyone does want their question answered, um, you know, some context is, is always helpful. But if you do have a question, please send it to me, stories at innervoice.life. 
send me an Instagram DM. Uh, if you have my phone number, call and leave a voicemail, send me a text, smoke signals, however you want to get in touch with us. <laughs> we will uh, answer those questions weekly on the call. Um, this has been great, mate. I look forward to catching up next week. Um, any last words uh, from me or the listener? Oh, no, I'm, I'm enjoying this call. It's great. And uh Best of luck uh, on Saturday. That's that's all I'll leave you. Have Perfect. have fun out there. Get the work done and uh, be tough. Yeah, sounds great, mate. I appreciate that advice. And uh, yeah, I look forward to a bit of a recap on uh, on the call next week with uh, with the listener as well. I could let them know how it how it goes, and I'll let them know how the uh, IPA tasted afterwards because that's uh, that's one of the rewards I'm really looking forward to. Perfect. Awesome, mate. Okay. Great chatting. Thanks, Jasper. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, see ya. Cheers. As mentioned, Jasper and I would love to hear from you. Please send your questions to stories at innervoice.life and we'll answer them on next week's show. Don't forget to follow along with my journey on Strava and social media. And remember, consistency is key. We look forward to bringing you the coaching call again next week. In the meantime, share this episode with a friend, subscribe and leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Your support means a lot. I'm Travis McKenzie and this is The Coaching Call, a part of the Inner Voice audio experience.